This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Defense Department is slowly chipping away at 117 separate tasks to implement its electromagnetic spectrum superiority strategy established in October of 2020. The goal of the strategy and its corresponding implementation plan is to help DOD take advantage of 5G and other spectrum goodies to address an environment DOD says is increasingly congested, contested, and constrained. Vernita Harris is director of the Electromagnetic Spectrum Enterprise Policy and Program Office in the DOD's Office of the Chief Information Officer. She tells executive editor Jason Miller about how this new spectrum strategy builds on the 2013 and 2017 versions. The strategy has five goals. Goal one is capability. It's what are those capabilities that we need to look at in order to make sure that we are beating that power competition. Goal two is our agile infrastructure, and that's our architecture. And that is really evolved to the agile, fully integrated EMS. That's looking at our existing spectrum management systems, and we need to modernize them, and we are. And with NDAA 9203, that gets to that. So that's one piece of it. What are those new technologies that we need that we're going to be looking at, that building those architectures? So that, that's what Gold 2 is looking at as well. Pursue total force EMS readiness. That's rethinking how we train our soldiers for spectrum management and, and, and how we use spectrum and how are we going to train, look at training differently um, across all of the mill depths and services. And then secure enduring partnerships for EMS Advantage. That is, what are our partners? Who are we talking to internationally, That not just internationally, but also domestically, the interagency process? Some of our spectrum management tools and regulations, they're antiquated, they're static. We need to update those, and we need to have really good working relationships with the interagency. Also, understanding internationally, it goes back capabilities, goes back to goal one. We need to make sure that when we're going to negotiate for innovation and spectrum, we know we're, what we want. And, and having those right relationships with our ally partners and NATO is going to be extremely important. And then establish effective EMS governance. The GAO came out with a study that we were not taking electromagnetic spectrum superiority seriously. We weren't. So we, we have a strategy. We have an implementation plan, and we're executing. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy, and we know that. And are we going to make mistakes? Yep, we are. However, we're going to learn from them. And the idea here is to make sure entities across the DOD have some skin in the game, make sure that we are all working together and making sure that no one's left behind and there's no, you didn't consult with me because we're consulting with everyone. I want to go back to the partnerships, but just the one piece of this I think is really important to highlight is this idea that this is not something the DOD CIO is doing. It's a, it's, there's this joint across the military departments, the, the services CIOs, the agencies are all part of this, and there's 117 tasks uh, laid out in the implementation memo. And, and your role from where you sit at, in the DOD CIO's office is to ensure the, the pieces and parts fit together. You have that governance piece, but also the, the implementation piece from a broad perspective. Correct. So the idea, there are 117 tasks, and they were not prioritized. And so our goal in the CIO's office, we see it is that we want to make sure that we execute to these tasks, but we've all got to, we also have to make sense of them and making sure that they are 
relating to the priorities of the department, making sure that these are the capabilities that we're looking at. I want to go down the path of something new that was just launched just in the last uh, couple weeks, maybe a month or two ago, uh, something called PATHS. This is the Partnering to Advance Trusted and Holistic Solutions, PATHS. It's a really try to bring together DOD and industry and others to share information. What were some of the goals of PATHS? Where is it today? When was it launched? Just give us some more background. So I think you forgot an S, so it's two S. So it's, it's, it's <laughs> partnering to advance trusted and holistic spectrum solutions, um, what we're calling PATHS. And PATHS was designed, before I came on board, AMBIT. AMBIT was the America's mid-band TASS team. So that was to 100 megahertz of spectrum for 5G. And we realized that we did this in in rapid pace and and we recognized that we didn't actually reach out to all the stakeholders especially the the commercial stakeholders especially the industry and that was a a big concern from industry and that was one of the if I could say a complaint from industry is like we weren't engaging Um, and so PASS is designed to engage with industry is designed to engage with non-traditional spectrum stake- stakeholders. It's designed to work with cable providers, academia. It's building trust because there's not a lot of trust in when you're talking about 5G spectrum and looking at what those use cases are and having that, that discussion because some, some of the information is it's classified. And so we built paths as you have an umbrella. Everyone will have to opt in to paths to be part of it. Subset of paths that will have access to classified information up to the secret level with the appropriate safeguards. And so that's the benefit. We're, we're building trust. We're building muscle memory to say, hey, we may not always agree, but here's why we don't agree. So we are really bringing stakeholders together. The other thing that you all are doing, and this is something that, that I think you've maybe taken on or helped lead, is, is re-looking internally at DOD and how you're organized around the electronic magnetic spectrum. You mentioned that you were maybe reorganizing your office or, or at least the approach to EMS. What did you do? Where are you at with that reorganization? You also mentioned proposing five working groups. Give us an update. This summer, we had, as we were rolling out the implementation plan, and we had several engagements with with the Hill and just outside stakeholders. And I recognize that there was lots of questions about why CIO, what are we doing, how are we going to execute on governance of the of the strategy and the I plan, and those those questions were legitimate. And so we took a look at ourselves internally. It was like, what's the best approach? to make sure that we are executing on the strategy and how do we do that? And I have a two-hour commute so each way. So I just, like, you know what? Perhaps we, need, we could try aligning our office against each one of the strategic goals. So that's how that came about. The discussion of wanting to make sure that we're t- DOD CIO is taking this seriously. We see the challenges we want to make sure that we are communicating appropriately that, yes, this is how we are going 
to execute on the strategy and the I plan. So I will have five deputy directors. In each of the goals, goal, goal one through goal five, I'm going to take out goal three for a moment. We'll be led by a deputy director at the GS-15 level, and our new name of our office is Electromagnetic Spectrum Enterprise Policy and Programs. So that's the MSEP. That's, that's our new name. And so goal three, however, is about workforce and training. The DOD CIO doesn't own workforce and training. That is PNR. So we do not actually have a goal three that for workforce and training as part of my organization structure. Goal three is more of our domestic. It's like our, you know, at home you have a job jar and you have, like, it's like a nail jar, right? You have all different types of nails. You just put them in this jar. So we have all of these issues that needed a home. So we, we named it domestic spectrum and policy innovation and that is where we have our repurposing that's where we're looking at repurposing issues we're in charge of those miscellaneous spectrum issues that need a home in our office and so they're going to go on into goal three but also the governance as we talked about earlier is the command control and communications leadership board c3lb that is how we're managing this the strat ems3 strategy and under the C3LB, we have a working group entitled the Electromagnetic Spectrum Senior Steering Group. And under that steering group, and to make sure that we all are executing the strategy and the I-plan and prioritizing those 117 tasks, there are going to be five working groups. And those five working groups align directly with the EMS3 strategy, and we're finalizing that. And so that will most likely kick off that discussion with the department um, in January. Bernita Harris is director of the Electromagnetic Spectrum Enterprise Policy and Program Office in the Defense Department's Office of the Chief Information Officer, speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Check out Jason's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything and it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Uh, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, 
I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, And I I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it it was, you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, Absolutely. Um, What I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to to spend an assignment with 
uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, And I might add that um, any proceeds from the book Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And and, uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, During my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zell. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.